Hi everybody, it's Sarah Benincasa. Welcome back to Social Anxiety Variety Hour. Thank you to patrons Sean, Jennifer, and Amy for helping support the show at patreon.com slash sarahbenincasa. You can join us, patreon.com slash s-a-r-a-b-e-n-i-n-c-a-s-a. You're supporting this show, you're supporting my other weird art projects like recent short fiction projects, The Only Goat Girl. And uh, there have been some others which you can check out and have access to if you're on Patreon. Also, if you are a patron for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to a more uh, uh, rambly, less structured, but still fun podcast that's just for patrons. And it is called The Audio Letter. But I am so glad that you are here with me on Social Anxiety Variety Hour, my very first guest, episode three. Social Anxiety Variety Hour, my very first guest is Sabrina Cognata, who is truly hilarious. She is an artist, she's an advocate, she's an activist, she is a business boss, she runs her own um, social media and business consulting. I'll just say business more. Let me just keep saying business to you. And I and she's one of my dear friends, and we get into talking about art and sex and drugs and anxiety, of course, and partying. She was a true, true L.A. party girl for many years and remains uh, somebody who goes to more live music than most people I know who aren't actually in bands and don't need to be at concerts. But she really thrives on music and art. And if you do, I think you'll relate to some of the stuff she talks about here um, she's really funny. She's a wild woman. One of six kids. Yes, six kids raised in Los Angeles in the San Fernando Valley. And uh, we talk about her. We mentioned her sister, Gia, who is a, a stylist, um, as in clothing and hair. She's also a makeup artist. So uh, if you hear us talk about Gia, that's who we're talking about. Also a friend of mine. And um I'm here in Brooklyn, and she's out there, and it was a delight to have the conversation. She's also a podcast producer and a live show producer. We talk about some, uh, if not all of that. (laughs) There's no way to talk about all of it, but we talk about some of it. You'll also hear that I lost some of my mic skills for interviewing. I blow out the mic a few times. I'm sorry. It's still a good episode. Sabrina sounds great. You'll enjoy it. Again, thanks to the supporters at patreon.com slash Casa. Very glad that you are here. Uh, Please, by the way, rate, review if you like the podcast, you know, tell your friends about it. If you don't, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. Pretend it never happened. But if you like it, please um, rate us highly and give us some nice reviews because that helps more people discover the podcast. You know, you've heard people talk about it. I mean, this podcast does not have any sponsors at the moment. There's no mid-roll, there are no ads. So we rely on patrons and we rely on word of mouth. And by we, I mean me, because this is a one-person operation. There are more interviews to come. If you would like to suggest some people, I am always welcome to that. Uh, You can email Serotonin Newsletter, S-A-R-A-T-O-N-I-N newsletter at gmail.com serotonin newsletter at gmail.com if you've got some advice for future guests. Okay, that's enough for me. Enjoy my conversation with Sabrina. Hello, Sabrina Cognata. It's a joy Hello. to have you here. Thank you. 
Let's be weird about this. Let's be uh, weird and clinical like we've never spoken before. Hello, greetings. Uh, I will have before this placed some sort of intro. Uh, and right now I have cramps, but they're not super bad. And I'm drinking homemade cold brew, a.k.a. rocket fuel. And I'm in Brooklyn, New York. Tell us where you are. I am in uh, the Silver Lake Hills in uh, Los Angeles. I am drinking a tropical punch, uh, tropical fruit, rather, Waterloo sparkling drink. I was going to bring out more than one drink, but then I was like, uh, that'll just get to room temperature and then you'll be pissed about it. So one drink for you. (laughs) That was your internal monologue. It was. It was like, uh, (laughs) you'll just mute your feed and walk to the refrigerator. So don't worry. I remember I dated a guy um, a couple years ago, and one of the things I liked about him, um, which I believe I brought up to you, uh, not that I expect you to recall this detail, but he had a fully stocked fridge of various beverages, and then he also he had like the fridge, a, a, a beverage specific fridge, and then he had like a shelf of room temperature options, and I thought that was very courteous, and I was sort of inspired by it. I wish that man had had a better childhood. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I can't remember who yeah. this was, but I no. But that's pretty. That's this. true for most people. I've seen it. Well, like you, you, you know what I mean. Certain money. things where I'm like, "Wow, you put a lot of effort into making this perfect." I actually am at somebody's house right now who has a fully stocked drink fridge and a bunch of them. You know what I mean? So like, I'm 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 living in a certain paradise as well. Whereas I would be like, uh, I'm just going to put ice and water at home and drink my fucking ice water or go to Dunkin'. And since I'm not, I can't walk across the street. Hey, let's do a commercial for Dunkin'. Whoa, you need coffee? Better go to Dunkin'. (laughs) You know what, Dunkin', the Dunkin' topic though, does bring us to something very important for listeners of Social Anxiety Variety Hour. Which is the caffeine conundrum because, you know, typically if if any of us deal with anxiety, we're told to cut back on caffeine. However, you and I, both people who deal with anxiety, have a deep fondness for the caffeine, as do many listeners, I think. Look, my anxiety manifests itself as rage. So it's just like, will I be the Hulk or not? And like a lot of tempering that is understanding that I'm always going to feel in some way like that. And it's not the end of the world. Like, I don't have to be like, today, sir, you die because you're making me feel a way I don't like to feel. And instead of just being like, oh, wow, this is triggering something in me. I was just like, sir, you've come to the wrong place. Today you die. You know, (laughs) and uh, sometimes that's with a lot of coffee and sometimes that's not. (laughs) <laughs> well that that reminds me of the one the hulk with um edward norton who i want to call sir edward norton i think it must be like the second he wants one you to him. call him that too i would love for him to say to me in person sarah please call me sir edward norton i'd be like so okay many, so many people have bad stories about him or stories where they like talk shit about him but like he when he dated selma hayek um he like she has a house that's not her main house but like it's across was across the street from like Gia and my best childhood friends and we really partied at that house in our 20s and I remember one day I woke up on the side of the pool with a towel on me okay 
and like a t-shirt <laughs> I, I got up i had like no pants on just underwear and a big t-shirt that i had smeared food all over so it was a fucking night i could tell i remember just being like get up geo we need to leave and like walking outside like that like not even looking for my clothes just being like oh the bad stuff has happened i have to get out of here and he was just like walking the dog that they had at the time I was like hey neighbor hey and i'm just like why are you being nice right now i look fucking i look like i live on hollywood boulevard even though i'm all the way up outpost so, <laughs> yeah that still gives me anxiety like please don't see me like don't know that i'm disgusting like so disgusting i don't also, wish to I've be perceived <laughs> most of the time right and obviously i've slept on the side of a pool before i just feel like that's something you should do if you party and you partied in los angeles just like pass out at the side of a pool and then wake up eight to ten hours later like why is there concrete on my face this is a weird one when you were still drinking because we both don't drink anymore but when you were still drinking if your option for like okay when you had a wicked hangover and let's say the hair of the dog was not an option or whatever you just decided that day you know what i'm not gonna get back to drinking let's say you had to be in an office or you just didn't feel like drinking what was like your hangover cure that did not involve more alcohol oh weed would you ever do a weed coffee combo Here's what I used to do, actually. What I would do is after a night of long drinking, take a Xanax and then be like, it doesn't matter what's happening for the next 20 hours. I sleep through it. <laughs> People always think that drinking was my gateway, but it was pills because I broke my neck. So I was getting all these pills and, you know, they just like re up your fucking prescription. I don't really love painkillers because they fucking wreck my stomach, but I love other kind of pills. You know what I mean? And so, like, I and I was a fucking for sure a diet pill person. So it'd be like an Adorex or something like that was like the diet pill version of Adderall. And I would crush one of those up and just snort it. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like I was ha like, I never, I didn't drink at all. I was like trading pills for different stuff. I was trading pills for other pills. Like I didn't even realize that you could go to jail for having like other pill bottles in your purse. Like until I was oh, like- Oh, other people's other, you didn't know that you- Oh, no, I was just so like carrying such an insane amount of stuff on me all the time. And then like, I think I started drinking, like really drinking, like when I was like 22 or something. Um, But like- I was not really that interested in it. And I was like such a boring person before I broke my neck. But yeah, pills are my gateway. That's why I'm like, you can do anything with a pill. Like, what is it? But like, I think that's like the case for a lot of Americans. And then it just kind of like spirals out to like, what, you know, you're like, well, I've tried, I'm, I'm basically fucked up all day, every day. What else is there out there? God, give me the answer. Um, and it was and pills are okay, quote unquote, because there's a prescription or maybe like maybe it's not your and at first it's like it's okay because it's your prescription right we learn that from when we're little our parents hopefully take us to the doctor and we might have you know cough syrup or we might have this or that it's a prescription so it's okay and then as time goes on we're so used to that like method of delivery for for drugs that it becomes like well as long as i've got a prescription well as long as well sure this is like uh i don't need this anymore but maybe i do oh there's a refill and then it can be like well it's not my prescription but it's somebody's prescription it must be safe if it's a pill developed in a laboratory i just was like uh this isn't gonna kill me today you know what i mean <laughs> i didn't care 
Like I was totally fine with dying. And then I, I mean, I understood those weren't my pills, but I just didn't know you could get arrested for them. Like I'd have been like crazy that those ended up in here. I don't know how that happened. How did Tammy and Johnny's pills get here? Dude, you know me like thinking on my feet. I'd have just been like, Oh, it's crazy. Like, you know, cause you get popped for shit like that in like an airport, you know, Mm -hmm. I just would have been like, Oh, I shared a hotel room with my friend. Like, I guess I grabbed her pills being in a hurry because I'm about to miss my flight. And, like, completely a plausible situation. At home, very few people are like, open your purse and let me look in it. And even when they are, it's like, if a bouncer was to be like, you can't bring all those pill bottles in here, which has definitely happened to me before, I would have just walked away for five minutes and put all the pill bottles in my bra and then come back and been like, can I come in now? You know what I mean? I was, I'm was i never going to put the drugs in the car so somebody can break into my car and steal my drugs. You're high. You're high. <laughs> and I say that as a person who still smokes weed. Um, <laughs> I remember years ago, um, I think I was, I forget if I was still drinking at the time, probably. Um, I, I wasn't drunk at the time. I might've been hungover, but I do remember going to, fuck, I don't remember what year it was. Maybe I was just tired, but I, I had, like, I was going to the airport in Charleston, South Carolina. I went to take out my driver's license and instead I took out my weed card in, from California and I, sh- and I gave it to TSA and in South Carolina, I don't know what their rules are now, but at the time they didn't even have medical cannabis. So I like, I just like look like tired as fuck and I'd show up and I'm like, hi. And I like give them, and they're like, they like look at it and they look at me and they're like, um, and I'm like, you have to search me, don't you? And they're like, yes, ma'am. We're <laughs> step out of line. Because even if I had weed on me, they could, that's an easy arrest for them. Like, I'm not supposed to have weed on me. Sure, you can have in California with my little prescription, but not in Charleston, South Carolina, at least not at that time, probably still not. So as they were, I didn't get strip search, which was great. Um, but as they went through all my shit and I got a very intimate pat down, I also answered a lot of questions from very curious TSA. Cause you know, a lot of TSA people are like young people who needed, who need the jobs. And so they're like, I'm like hanging with all these people in their twenties who are like, okay, so like, what's it like out there? <laughs> I didn't have anything on me. Thank goodness. But I just remember being like, A, I'm a fucking idiot. B, undoubtedly white lady privilege is a huge reason why i didn't get treated worse and why they were like lol let's just chat to this person and see uh i also i'm a fucking idiot like these were three things really two things a two thing sandwich that i remember thinking really clearly and they were just like i think they were probably kind of disappointed i didn't have anything on me because um i'm sure they had some kind of quota to fill But like, that's, it's really wild to me to think that you can get popped for having something that is inherently very soothing, like on you. For some people, you know, here's the thing, every, everybody is different. You know what I mean? Like soothing is a very specific word to choose. That's true. Because for some people, vodka soothing. For some people, heroin is soothing. Both for me. First time I ever smoked heroin, I was like, oh, this is great. It's just like getting in a bath of warm water and then being like, I can never do that again. Like, that's not for me, guys. The experience was too positive. (laughs) I will die doing this. Um, Isn't it funny when some people are like, I find this to be very interesting. When folks will say... 
some version of this. Um, I love X, Y, Z. It chills me out. And then you, the theoretical you or I or whomever might be listening goes, yeah, that just doesn't agree with me or I just can't do that. I just can't. I try. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. And then the other person like pushes a little bit like, no, maybe you just haven't done the right X, Y, Z. Or wouldn't you like to just have one glass of X, Y, Z? Like most people aren't like that with alcohol, but I have had that happen a couple times. And it's really interesting because I'm like, I have to be like, I mean, I've had people do it to me with various substances, but definitely with, with booze a couple times. And I'm always like, I try to have like empathy for the fact that usually they're not trying. No, I was the pusher person for sure. I for (laughs) sure was. I was like, dude, come on down to party town. Like, why are you here? If you don't want to be partying, why are you here? And I would see people have like an existential crisis. I'd be like, we're going to crack him. He's going to fucking use tonight. (laughs) Like, why be here? But that's the whole thing. It's like, if I'm at a place where I'm, I shouldn't be with stuff that I shouldn't be doing, then like the likelihood of me doing it goes up you know and well like, i had with, with me it's people who are like trying to like talk so it'll be people be like you know what would help with this mental health issue you have it's like i'm talking about it in some kind of like curative way where like not like being at a party with somebody pushing it somebody like you know what would help like this kind of this or this kind of that or it doesn't count and i'll be like no i, I can't do that like i don't do that anymore and what I want to get to is the fact that like some people don't understand that our brains, I'm not saying your brain and my brain work the same, but like when somebody is, when somebody tells you that's that thing that you love sets me off, that food that you eat gives me the shits, like you should believe them. And I find that sometimes people will be like, no, but you just have to drink this the way I drank it. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> I don't. Uh- I've, I haven't had the experience of people pushing on me really a lot since I stopped, but I don't have like a personality. You can talk into stuff. Yeah. You can just like suggest something and I'll either be like, okay, or get the fuck away from me. <laughs> yeah. You'll be like, and, absolutely not. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a person that like, like recently somebody close to me was like, yeah, I probably have had sex with more people than I ever wanted to because I just didn't know how to say no. And like, I was like, well, that's not me. <laughs> like, even when I did want to have sex with people, I'd be like, stop just to fucking shake things up during sex and be like, you ever wonder what it's like to just have somebody push pause in the fucking moment and have to like really recalibrate, like really recalibrate. You're experiencing it and real life performance art that I'm making you go through right now. Um, <laughs> we but, should, we'll get to, I want to talk about your Patreon in a sec, by the way, just as an aside, like it's um, speaking of art. Um, Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, 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 no. But the only time I've had a guy try to push drinking on me was this weird guy I went on a date with once and I knew he was going to be, he was very handsome, but I knew he was going to be too much when he, he grabbed my hands when I sat down. He's like, you're not wearing <laughs> any ri-. Well, he's like, you're not wearing any rings. And I was like, okay, well, like, I don't really wear any rings. Like, I, I, it's not really my thing. And he was like, well, what about when you get married? And it's like, if you know me, you know that, like, if you don't know me, here, know this. I am, I mean, like... I have a highly addictive personality, so if I really wanted to be in a relationship with somebody, I know what buttons to push to make things go very fast, you know? But, like, I'm not terribly interested in that, and I don't want something like that, so I tend to stay away from it. And I tend to stay away from the idea of um, that something can last forever because I think most people are mates of time. You know what I mean? Like, let's be together while it's working, and if it doesn't work, that's also okay and realistic. Um, 
but like this guy just like came for me in a way that I wasn't prepared and then like that dissolved into him trying to order me a drink and me being like oh I don't drink and him just like being like everybody should be able to have one drink and I was like okay well bud that's not what's gonna happen here like even if I had one drink with you I would just like put an end to this date and then go to my car and drive in a circle come (laughs) back park my car and be like I've had a drink I'm gonna have a drink at every bar on the street and then i'll decide which bar i do like and then i'll fucking finish drinking there and then maybe move my car because i love to drink and drive that's the other problem um and then go to a different fucking bar and then uh you know have some more drinks there who who knows where the night can go um and he just didn't like that and he was like i could teach you how to drink i'll tie you to a chair oh my god I'll tie you to a chair and then I will force you to have one drink and that's it. And we will train you. And I was just like, this is Oh my God. This is horrible. And even when I was like, well, like he insisted on walking me to my car. Hate that. Even when I was like, it's fine. I'll get there safe. He was like, no, I must. And I remember just like, he like went to like try to square me off or kiss me or something. And I just like put my hands on his shoulders and was like, I do not want to kiss you. Maybe some other time. And like got in my car and was just like, oh my God, I wish I had had that drink right now. This is horrible. And then fucking drove home. Like, forgot to, like, I think this was, like, a Tinder match. I can't remember, to be honest. It was a while There's ago. There's no way this was somebody you met out in a, in a setting and were, like, and your gut said, you know what, Sabrina? This man is for us. Like, this definitely, I Dude. I have had dates where I'm, like, oh, if I had if I had met you in the wild, like, a normoid, that would have been, I would have known that you sucked. But when, that you can sell a good game just, like, online or over the phone. Right? He probably seemed, like, cool and kind of weird and interesting and handsome. He look, he had an accent. He was very handsome. Like very. <laughs> um and you know, sometimes I'll just be like, oh, probably he's dumb. Like handsome and dumb usually go hand in hand. Like that like their survival mechanism is to be so attractive and to take such good care of their body that like life becomes a little bit easier. Um and I say that as somebody with really giant breasts like I'm like oh there's an easier way to do this I'll get a man to do it um <laughs> but like you know what I mean like I sometimes pick that guy because it'll be easy I know it will last but I'm like well, whatever this can be good for a little bit but it couldn't be good no part of it was good he was really controlling and I was like I wish I was dead like if I just could just burst into flames next to him I would have been like that's the way I was supposed to go out that's how I was supposed to die. <laughs> and you know what that's the kind of shit that gives me a lot of anxiety because it's like i'm learning how to modify my behavior and not be like i'll kill you so it's like this this is probably at some point before the pandemic like not a long time ago but like maybe 2019 ish um and like it's like learning to like recalibrate how you behave it's also letting those things play out instead of like being like son i'll kill you if you try to tie me up right now i'll kill you um and just like letting it play out and just being like wow like i know i can go to crazy town or you'd be like don't kiss me i don't want to kiss you um oh and by the way like a day later or something he's sort of messaging me and being like i'm ready for that kiss now and i'm like, like what, the, what the fuck that's embarrassing bro? do you not understand subtlety like jesus god if i was gonna look buddy if the chemistry is good if when you touch me i'm like oh you have the sickness like i felt that like that that's the crazy people shit like i'm like oh we'll fuck today but like you know 
there wasn't there wasn't even that there was nothing i felt nothing i didn't want you to touch me everything about your personality repelled me like oh Oh, I'm ready I, for that makeout now. I'm ready to make out now. Oh, I'm ready to make out with your butt, oh. Sabrina. Hello. <laughs> I knew the French baby would appear. Sometimes I like to call Sabrina and pretend to be a French baby. And I can't really talk much about it. But sometimes like Sabrina's sister, Gia, and I um, sometimes need to be characters. Once in a while, Sabrina's a character. Mostly it's me and Gia. But once in a while, Sabrina will come through as a character. Sometimes we just have whole conversations as characters. You, which is usually, playful. <laughs> typically, I am the straight guy in our group. But like, here's the thing. I, I, I truly believe I am a muse for different people. And I know I'm a muse for you and for Gia at times. And uh, the reason that the French baby exists is because I dated this very handsome fr French film director. And I was hoping that when you were telling the story, I was like, please don't be, please don't be. I don't want my love for the French film director who I've never met to be shattered. I'm so glad it's not this guy. It was a different guy with an accent. Oh, yeah, no, 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 it wasn't this guy. No, 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 it wasn't this guy. This guy was just really hot, and I had just broken up with somebody, and he immediately asked me out. Just the timing was good for him, kind of. Um, but we went on a couple of dates, and like he wanted to be like romantic right away, and I was just like, "Bro, I don't feel anything for you." He's like, "Nothing." I'm like, "No, nothing." I just what are you talking about? I love you. Yes, if you are very handsome and you smell good and you sound French and it's not even crazy French like when Sarah's doing crazy French man, it's like sm smooth French guy who's like, oh baby, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, we're talking baby, okay. Um, but I just that man is the him. father of the French baby, essentially. Without that man, that like lovely, talented, handsome French man who just whatever the vibes were off, he wasn't a bad guy. The vibes were just off. <laughs> Just was. He's the he was the father of the French baby who years later still comes out sometimes just at 3 a.m. when I can't sleep and it's like midnight Sabrina and Gia's time. Some of the French baby comes out who is like sort of a combination of like a psychotic Muppet baby and like I guess a little bit like if Stewie from Family Guy was a horny French baby, although I hate to make so basic a reference, but it's also very Pepe Le Pew. There's a lot of rapey. There's you know a what I mean? Like sexual harassment. A... Yeah. I mean, he, the French baby, would the French baby do anything non-consensual to you? Maybe. Maybe. I don't like, he's really, he's a problem. Like he should not be permitted to go to daycare. He's very focused <laughs> on adults. He is an, uh, what it, I don't know what the opposite of of a he's an adult abuser and he is very powerful and I don't know what his age is like he's also sort of based on the French rapper baby Jordy from the 90s <laughs> Here's here's the thing. I imagine this man's head on a baby's body. <laughs> no, it's so weird. I almost spit my like, cold through. You're doing it, so like it's even weirder because you're in control. Um, but I still imagine his head a lot of the time on a little baby's body. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, he was like, I can't emphasize enough that this man who Sabrina has never said one bad word about this man to me. He just wasn't for her. And I became obsessed with him and made him into a stereotype. But he was a stereotype. He was a stereotype, though. Like we went, he insisted on going to a French restaurant. And I was like, you're going to be disappointed. This is why I don't go to fucking Italian restaurants. And like, we get there. He's like, everything here sucks. The bread sucks. I'm like, okay, well, everything sucks. Like, I mean, he wasn't wrong. But I guess French is supposed to kind of suck. Like, that's the whole thing about French bistro bullshit in L.A. Um, And then French people are supposed to get mad. Like, he just sees he's not good enough. I mean, and he did things like, uh, he was like one of those guys that like climbs the sides of mountains with no like equipment, oh, sure. just like a sure. Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Yeah. Where I'm like, okay, this sounds very dangerous. Like, why am I here? I would never do this. This is going to make me want to drink. Okay. Like you're climbing mountains that I have to have a cocktail because that's Wait. stressful to even think about. So this fucking motherfucker was like also like free climbing El Capitan. <laughs> shit like that yeah 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 you know what i mean here's the thing every guy i've ever ever dated is like a a character where i'm like yeah i never told you that weird thing about him like so wild really a character trait i think of all of the time like this is true like this year sabrina casually referred to my silver medalists and i was like what oh my god i have dated or fucked however you want to look at it multiple silver medalists she loves an olympic silver medalist don't give her a gold it's she's not interested no i'm like that kind of accomplishment you can't torture forever you know what i mean i'm like you're coming here for a reason the sickness is between us we definitely (laughs) had you touch me and i definitely had the feeling that i get so i'm assuming you also have it let the nightmare begin So I was doing research the other day for a a novel uh, proposal that I'm working on, and I had to learn about um, Olympics. And there was one person who was known as the Bronze Queen because she kept getting bronze. And it made me think about (laughs) your silver medalist fetish. This is my friend. She has a really specific fetish. It's for Olympic silver medalists. Does it matter what, what sport? I don't think so. A lot of, uh, I think two winter sports, um, definitely at least one snowboarder and um, the easiest of all the athletes to fuck. You know what I mean? I'm like, hey, what's up, bro? And it's not, what's his name? The redheaded guy. This guy was very handsome. When I saw him, I was like, this has got to happen. Um, I didn't know Uh, he had a silver medal. I love a snowboarder. Here's the thing. People who have silver medals don't like... Some people, I guess if you have a gold, you put it in a case. Most of these guys had it on a fucking nail on the wall in their bedroom. Like, that's the kind of person (laughs) I fuck. You know what I mean? So, of course, I'm, like, naked and, like, oh, I'm wearing your silver medal. I'm putting my clothes on top of this. I'm leaving with your silver medal. Do you know what? I never actually did leave with it. I would play that joke, but I feel like a silver, even a gold medal is something that people be like, hey, can we get that back? we're calling the police but i did i did at least one time be like i bet you this guy can't track me back exactly i mean i can never go back to this bar that i met him at but like i bet you i could get away it was like the early 2000s i probably could have gotten away with still like stealing it like then right now the story would be like and then i still steal a silver medal but then i put it in the trash because <laughs> i'm not getting caught with that 
At one point, I forget when it, I don't even know when this was, but I remember you were like, um, yeah, it's really funny to like put on their silver medals when you're naked. And it was like multiple silver medals. I was like, oh, this is your silver medal move. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if you, you know what I mean? It's like anytime, like if a guy is like wins awards or whatever, like you want to do something weird with them and like that's, that's diminish true. I always, the greatness of it. I always want to like d- take it and do something weird. It's usually in my case, it's it's typically some sort of film or TV related award. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to like take it and pretend to like shove it in someone's butt, but like in a photo that I secretly send to my friends. Like that's pretty much I'm like, oh my god. Here's the thing: uh, Academy Awards don't look good on boobs. You know what I mean? Because you're like, woo, because it's just like long nipples. <laughs> but Emmy Awards, oddly enough, Tony Awards, they actually do look good when you put them over the boobs. I have a friend who uses their SAG Award as a doorstop in the bathroom, which I think is extremely appropriate. <laughs> god that's bless perfect. the Screen Actors Guild, but I think. That- I think that's a very good whenever I hear that somebody keeps an award in the bathroom I'm like you know what that's a solid move oh dude I'm looking at the skull um the black uh like basically mason jar that you have with silver skulls on it and I got one of those from I want to say it is the one you got it's the one you got okay so I repurposed it and I made it into a weed jar um, oh, cool. And I just put a um, follow butter your thing? heart. No, this is a follow your heart veganase <laughs> lid on it because it fit. Because it was a little cuppy that had a little hole for a straw. So I do yes. a jerk off motion. Um, <laughs> because, not for jerking off, but for removing a straw in and out of a jar lid, people. Correct. Use your goddamn minds right. Um, but yeah, Disgusting. that's what this is now. I put weed in it, you know, because it's poison and your children shouldn't touch it. And they shouldn't be here. Why are their kids here suddenly? What's happening? <laughs> Let's, uh, this, you like sort of vaguely tapping on that made me think about um, something that helps a lot of people, myself included, with social anxiety, but with, or with anxiety in general, but which you hate and I love talking to you about how much you hate it and that is ASMR <laughs> because you know there's oh. a lot of videos that are just somebody being like here's my wheat jar I'm gonna tap on it tappy 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 and it makes Sabrina want to light the world on fire it is a nails on a chalkboard for me and it's like grabbing at my chest to make it stop but I actually think it might be because I just this is the tone that I talk in constantly like I'm not like oh like even me in a whisper is still a scream you know what I mean so when people are trying to like <laughs> aggressively whisper at me it's usually because they want me to whisper and I'm being triggered into being like that's never gonna happen you want a whisper friend go find a fucking whisper friend like I want everybody <laughs> to know what I'm saying so they leave me the fuck alone um that makes sense because it's not misophonia like it's it's not that thing that people have where i feel like i don't think you have this where you walk into a room and um you can't stand if somebody is like i don't know making a sipping sound or crunching on you might be able to hear it but i feel like i've never been in a situation where you where you've been like that person's chewing gum it makes me want to die so that i don't i don't feel like your asmr aversion comes from that I don't think so. There's a couple things that make me be like, stop that. But like, realistically, I can, well, you know, I grew up in chaos with 7,000 people. So most human noises, I've learned to just tune out to the, to the degree of somebody talking to me for a really long time and me being like, I have checked out of conversations (laughs) now. (laughs) Well, what was happening there? I'm just going to say, wow. 
like that existed that is a good survival strategy and when you're forced to be in i mean you're i mean it's um, dissociation it's dissociation okay it's not that great but like it's a survival strategy that i mean you grew up with five siblings you're the oldest of six i should say that and so like inevitably in a house even if you live in a relatively like spacious abode where most or all people have their own bedrooms like uh it's still a lot of fucking people piled on top of each other you know and like so naturally it would make sense that one would evolve the ability to just zone out yeah i mean there was so much happening all of the time from everybody at a level 10 that you just had to be able to turn everything off sometimes in order to get anything done and we all have adhd pretty badly you know so it's like i think the skill is uh you know uh, something that occurred from a group of people who definitely need to be able to check out of something chaotic sometimes and to, to fucking hyper focus. And so like, you know, one lends itself to the other and it's like, you know, was it nature versus nurture? Who knows? A little bit of both in my case. And there were kids in your family born over the course of 19 years. Well- like 20 years or something like that yeah 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 Yeah. so you have people in multiple and a half years younger than i am so yeah so you have people in multiple generations being loud at the same time and sometimes you just need to check out oh you ever have somebody in their 50s slap you and then also somebody under the age of 10 at the same time because that's happened to one of my siblings you know what i mean like my mom is fucking nuts dude most people are like, oh, my mom. I'm like, look, my mom taught me to how, how to walk into a room and assess the situation in such a deeply in, innate way, a trauma way. She used to play this game with us when we were kids where she would just hide. She wouldn't tell you she was hiding, but she was going to scare you. And like, I got so good that I could just walk into the room when she was doing it and be like, I'm not doing this and just walk out like a ghost. Like, this is not happening. I'm, I'll never go downstairs. I know you're down there waiting to scare me and I refuse to do it. Um, But then, you know, if something terrible is about to happen, I usually am that person that's like, it's time to run. Like it's happening. We have to run. Um, Which I guess can give you anxiety a lot of the rest of the time when you're just waiting for that moment to happen or to find out that the person that you're with is nuts. You know what I mean? Where it's like, Mm -hmm. I know I'm picking crazy people. It's just like, I used to love to just like start dating guys and be like, look, we're going to, I'm going to figure out what really sets you off and then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to see what the monster really is. Like, can I deal with this? And because I was picking monsters, it was always so wild that it was horrible. But like when the guy punched the hole in the microwave and then like I went nuts, I was like, oh, my God, you punched your microwave because you wanted to punch me. And then eventually he did hit me. Um, Probably because I wouldn't stop screaming, you punched a hole in the microwave because you wanted to punch me. If we're being perfectly honest here. Um, But it does like teach you a certain like ability of what you're drawing in to then like hyper change to deal with the situation to to almost necessarily be as um terrifying as the other thing well you told me that i I don't know if you told me this directly but my impression from you and your sisters is that your mom taught you to it's like coyote rules right like if there's if you're uh worried about a creature attacking you um with certain creatures sometimes humans the move is to make yourself the bigger coyote make yourself the scarier one i mean 
sure but also at some point you're just like i'm scary you know what i mean it's like i was going to scary places and doing scary things and i also was like to people who other people normal people would be like that's some terrifying ass shit and i'd be like is it though because those people could tell right off the bat that you should not fuck with me so i'm like oh i'm in a certain crowd because i'm being a certain way if i've learned anything over the course of the last like seven ish years it's that like i generally attract what i'm putting out so it's like you know once i was like okay well i'm done with that part of my life r.i.p um it it like uh it put an end to having to deal with those people. Like, obviously I also wasn't like seeking it out the way that I was, but like, you know, I used to find those people at like a fucking grocery store, just like run into them with my basket. And then in 15 minutes, we'd be like in a drug den or something. You know what I mean? Just like it was, I was able to move conversations so quickly. I mean, I still do it. Cause I'll be like, oh, I wish I was doing drugs right now. And drug doer people will be like, so crazy. I have drugs in the car. And it's like, well, I guess we're going to see if I get fucking like sex trafficked or if I do drugs in this car, let's go. Um, and, like, I feel like most normal people don't do shit like that. They're just like, mm, probably not. But also, you know, I, I was convinced that I could read who is the worst of the monsters. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, I'm mm. here because I could eat you. Like, I know I look like the little fish, but I have, like, really sharp teeth. Fuck with me. Um, and, like, you know, you can be really big and not prepared for what's about to hit you. And uh, it sounds like you were drawn to danger over and over and over and over again. You were like, I'll be the bigger danger. Like, fuck you. You think you can hurt me? I'll hurt you more or I'll scare you more. Look, dude. Yes. Was I Walter White? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am the one who knocks. <laughs> like, it's happening. Um, but yeah, I just, you know, I think that part of that was like living inside of my anxiety constantly just like having mm -hmm. that be the norm not having to ever step outside of that because then if that's everything if that's everything that you're doing if that's what's going on you're not you're in a state your body's in that state but you don't know the difference you know what i mean like it feels so normal that you're like oh i'm not upset about this anymore like getting out of that was harder because i was like oh my god horrible things can happen and like they just can't happen because i'm orchestrating them they can just happen um and yeah because if you it sounds like you were in a constant state of arousal not sexual mostly but like you're in a constant state of like hyper arousal of your like oh, you sure. know fight flight freeze or fawn system and you very rarely went to freeze or fawn you were in fight or flight mostly fight so if you're operating at that it's almost like um I really uh, think um, you should have said fight, flight, freeze, or fuck. I'm just gonna <laughs> fucking gonna... is is a is a way of fawning. It's a power I've done move. It. Yeah, it's a power move too. You're like, I'm gonna have to fuck myself out of the situation. And people don't understand that, like, I think yes, fawning is fucking, but like you you can strategically be like, oh, like, isn't that the the story of Judith beheading Holoferns? Like you draw on the monster and then you fuck it and kill it like you know i was just listening to as you know i finally tapped out on it i listened to 14 of like 25 hours of this fucking audiobook mary queen of scots and i'm like all right i get the point now but there's a, a portion where she's talking about there there she it's not her where the author john guy or john gee i don't know um is writing about how her first husband was a straight up hardcore alcoholic and so she recognized that she could um manipulate him in her case it was like she could um tempt him when necessary with like the prospect of sex understanding that he would be too wasted it was a move it was a yeah, strategic yeah, yeah. move yeah, he yeah. would be get horned up but she knew he was such an alcoholic and super into whiskey i'm sure it was great whiskey scotland back in the day 
she knew he would be incapable of performing, so she wouldn't have to actually deal with him. And then she could get whatever done. It was like a way of eliminating him. And the strategy of like using sex as a way to de-escalate, as a way to manipulate, and not even actually having to fuck the person. Because at the same time, she was playing on his alcoholism. Like there's so many different, there's there's a well, shocking it's, amount it's of ways- well, it's it's capitalizing on desire. What is it yeah. that you desire? I mean, like, that's the easiest way to control something. I mean, my mom is the queen of that. It's like, I learned as a small, as a small person at a young age or whatever, that anything that I really liked, she would take away or destroy. So I just was like, I like nothing. I became a Buddhist as a child. You know what I mean? Like you, and, and I was in Catholic school. So it's like a really specific mindset where you're like, if I love nothing, nothing can be taken from me. Um, so you learn to like survive at zero, which is, I think, what got me through a lot but also why i was in all of that crazy shit to begin with because i'm like oh there's nothing really i desire nothing but the ultimate experience of dopamine skyrocketing um and then just like hyper seeking that ever in everything that i did and uh because i know that most of the listeners uh will not know this but it is i think a key part of sort of like talking about your life story and where you're at is that you know you have this childhood of chaos and and there's all these different things that happen that you've that you've sort of alluded to or directly talked about and but you were also like a good well-behaved kid very well-behaved child and then you get into a catastrophic car accident as a passenger in a vehicle when you're 20 years old yes 19 19 whatever you're 19 almost die don't die almost die and have to go through many 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 months of recovery and severe pain which leads to chronic pain in your life which is interesting to me because you're like the most physically active person i know and you deal with your pain and they're still like well i'm still running and it impresses me a lot but anyway that's another thing that that point in your life is, you know, as your friend, like, I know that that's such a huge turning point. And it seemed to me like that point. Well, that it was a midlife crisis. Yeah. At age crisis. 19. It's why like, uh, look, so many people I know and God bless them and I'm not mocking them, but so many people I know are like crying over turning 40 and being like, I'm looking older. I'm feeling older. And oh, it's yeah. like, Oh, That's dude, so weird I, to me. I did this at 20. Like, oh, my life is half over. I mean, like, my life was over at the fucking 19. I was just like, I I remember just being in the hospital and just, like, chanting to myself, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try everything. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to try everything. But, like, you know, I was, like, so sheltered that, like, everything I wanted to do or try was bad. I was, like, not like, I want to try macrame. I was, like, I want to try to fuck the hottest guys in the world like why not you know what i mean i'm in the hub of it what am i doing here just acting like a fucking scared nerd all the time and only letting other scared nerds approach me because they're on the spectrum and they do not realize i am zero interested so now i have to have a horrible experience um but yeah you know what i mean like i just made all these decisions where i i like how i wanted my life to be you know in a really stressful situation and then i just like abandoned the desire to think about or do anything else like I became obsessed with being out and partying and just like being like I wonder if tonight could be the next weirdest night and usually it could and then when it stopped being exciting when it was just like what happened I started to be like oh I need a new narrative not like a new life I I kind of like needed to fix my life but really I was like I need a new narrative I need a new storyline like 
I've exhausted all the possibilities in storyline land and I need something else, which means I, if I'm a character, I have to like do something else. So like I have to fundamentally change. And that's kind of how I looked at the whole thing. It was just like, fuck, I have to start choosing a different storyline for myself, Um, which is hard because I didn't want to stop partying. I wanted to stop partying. It's like hard to explain. It was like 14 or 15 years, right? Of like fairly, or maybe like it was 13 years, I don't know, of like fairly hardcore partying. Like you recover from this catastrophic near-death experience um, and you emerge from it just like a ready to fucking rock and roll hardcore. I mean, remember one of your sisters, Gia said to me one time, I remember like years ago, I was like, what was, was, I forget, you both had been talking and I, maybe me and Gia were driving home and I was like, I was con- I was just getting to know you maybe and I think I was like um was Sabrina like different before the accident like I was trying to understand something you had talked about cuz like in my head I didn't know you as like a shy nerd and Gia was like oh yeah she changed a lot and she was like she was basically how you describe yourself exactly like she she didn't say you were a shy nerd she was like um she was very like obedient and academic she was quieter like she was not a wild party person and at that point in our friendship I didn't know that and I was like wow like it sounded like you you know you really changed and I'm sure that some of that was due to the a traumatic brain injury you suffered duh but some of it was also probably uh the just emotional trauma cracking you open and you being like fuck it but that's what a midlife crisis is is being like oh my god is this the right path that i'm on i just did it at 20 like right now i'm like i don't know if this is the best path that i'm on but i also understand at this point in my life that i can just like just make a few changes and then go in a new direction and i think that's really scary for people who just like made one decision at like 20 and then like followed it for 20 years and they're like fuck i hate everything about my life like my life i was making a series of changes i had to be making a series of changes constantly in order to upkeep what i was doing but like at the same time like the it got boring so like i had to make more change you know what i mean like and, and it went from like innocent partying to like more aggressive partying to like well that probably is kind of dangerous into like the dark stuff where you like wake up in a strange place with sunglasses on at noontime and they're like you have to go home and you're like and you wander around and you're like hello and edward norton's like hey neighbor and you're like edward norton you're so functional what's going on with me the number of celebrities that probably have some weird backstory with me where i'm just like in the room and like i could ruin your career later you know (laughs) what i mean where i'm like i don't know why we are here i don't know why i'm a part of this dude it just parents were like sorry go oh no i'm interrupting you i was just thinking it just occurred to me like it was a midlife crisis because at that point you probably didn't envision even living as long as as 38 much less 39 or 40 or you know like you didn't envision living 19 times two whatever that is what is math 38 i mean i just was gonna do whatever was told to me you know what i mean i was just like okay like tell me what the next best move is like my brain definitely works in a very pattern driven strategic way so like i mostly just care about like what am i what what am i supposed to achieve next 
and then I broke my neck and was like, it's all bullshit. Like the whole game is bullshit. You people think that like everything's going to be fine if you make the right move, but like, that's not how things work. Something fucking horrible can happen at any point in time. And like, you just have to like be able to have the resilience to be with that shit. I, I wouldn't have been able to put in that context at that time, but that's like what was happening. I was like being awakened to like how much better life can be when you're really living it rather than like punching into your shitty job that you make okay money at that like you're now you're indebted to you're just basically a fucking indentured servant to a fucking dipshit middle manager because if you don't get your your pennies or whatever you can't pay for all the things you wish you could be doing when you're not working and like you know most of that is escapism that we associate with joy but it's like don't do the things you don't want to do. Don't, I know it's like, we're really stuck. So it can't be like, don't go to your job. But like, there's a lot of shit that you can be doing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be married to that lifestyle. And I just, I tried, like, I really tried to be like a corporate slog and I'm a nightmare. You know what I mean? I'm like, look, just tell me when the work needs to be done. Like, you can't ask me to work every day, all day long. My brain doesn't work like that. And it works at night. And it works like later in the day. You are a consultant. You have your own business. You do social media and digital marketing. You produce uh, comedy shows. You are a self-employed individual. And it seems like that brings you more happiness than, to say the least, being stuck in some kind of corporate gig. And you had like rock and roll corporate gigs at times but the corporate shit is not for you it's not for a lot of us they all say they're gonna be the coolest one and they treat you like shit you know what i mean like i can't be married to a job it's still a job and at the end of the day when i don't perform how they want or i don't say what they want i am just a number that they will fucking cut and like you know i need I like working one-to-one with people because I can be really direct. And if it's not for them, we'll know very, very quickly. Um, And like, you know, I just care about getting people the kind of results that they want. Like, what is your, what, what is your objective here? And um, I think a lot of that is more rewarding than like letting some dipshit in middle management be like, Oh, we didn't like what you said last week. And it's like, you you fucking fill my day with pointless ass meetings you don't think at some point i'm just gonna be like saying crazy shit because (laughs) i feel like my time is wasted no you fuck face my time has value and now we're all uncomfortable Uh, (laughs) i'm on drugs in the meetings um but i did (laughs) i had probably the coolest kind of corporate jobs that you could have and i still hated them you know it's like whatever I think that and this it was is... mostly. Me- oh, I was oh, gonna no. say they were mostly media media type jobs. You know what I mean? I wasn't just like fucking being paid to party. The the only the only real wish in a lifetime one can have is just being paid <laughs> to party. Tell me about how um, Patreon fits into, and also tell me the tell us the Patreon URL so we can go there and join. I am a member, but tell tell me how patreon fits into your life as an artist who is self-employed because you are a a, an artist and a business father all all at once an artist business mother i mean you know i was hesitant to do it for a long time 
And I think it took me like eight months to roll out something that should have taken me eight days. But like everything, I had to overcomplicate it. And I like well, I think, doing it. I think it. you wanted it to be perfect, if I recall. What is perfect? But you know what I mean? What is perfect? <laughs> yeah. I'm stuck in that. You know what I mean? I think it's a very realistic thing for a lot of people. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, what am I creating? Um, but I really like it because it forces me to have to have a dialogue in print if, of some sort. Um, and you know, I'm not married to any one thing. So like the newsletter that I do is usually like whatever is in my head. It can be whatever the fuck. And, uh, then I'm rolling out what was decoupage, but like even Patreon has a problem with decoupage. It's like making me take it apart. I I'm wondering if I can even say the word dick. That's how like hardcore they're being to me about my account where I'm like, I've deleted, I think everything I didn't, I forgot I had some fucking dick some More guy who sexually yeah some guy that has sexually harassed me i have like a bunch of dick pics um tell us what decoupage him. is i mean i know what decoupage is but what was and what is the decoupage project okay decoupage was a dick pic art project where i was writing these essays really as i'm going through them on patreon honestly just very interesting writing that could also basically god adhd basically be whatever the fuck was in my head at any given point in time it's very like um, eve, it's like eve babbitt smashed up with joan didion with uh, um having a thruple with hunter s thompson but like it's all you and th- these are very high compliments um and it's about uh, it's related to uh a project that brought you some internet fame and notoriety and also like just general art world attention i think um well because i just wanted to consistently do it which kind of made people notice it i guess also decoupage got a little bit of buzz and people seemed to like it but like i couldn't keep it hosted anywhere because it's it's technically pornography and um, what 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 how did it start like as an instagram thing was it a facebook page like back in it, the day it was like a website i basically had gone to tumblr and then started taking dick pics and then either re- at first it was like writing shitty things about the people attached to the dicks or the dicks themselves and then um and then i got bored because it's like not that there's like not a lot you can do with that like oh it's big oh it's small you know what i mean like just like what makes men insecure and then were they um, unsolicited dick pics that were sent to you were they solicited dick pics like how are we sourcing the dicks some of the ones in the beginning were ones that were just sent to me but it was so easy to be like hey come on down to fucking dick town and send me your dick pics because i need them all to if i don't have a dick pic how am i just gonna let myself write something that seems so much simpler like why let's complicate things send me your dick pics and um i got a lot of dick pics i learned a lot about men at that time and um you know i think just the way certain personalities are associated with certain dick sizes i don't buy any of the hype about nose or feet but i definitely think there are personality markers uh for certain men and uh i think that like a lot of how they behave and how they talk and treat women like there's a guy that has a that can have a giant dick and can hate women and then there's a personality type for a guy that has a giant dick that's like good to women and i know both you know what i mean i'm like which (laughs) which version of the nightmare would i rather ride um but and like, these were mostly like these were mostly like cis heterosexual men who were sending in dicks to you did you know their sexuality would they like explain that where they would 
here some people would just send them some people would have like a fucking essay that they wanted to like associate <laughs> with it a lot of men wanted to have a dialogue they wanted to know what i thought you know what i mean and like you know uh, i learned really quickly that like like there's a specific kind of guy that wants to be shamed but they're a little too open about it they're like oh i hope you hate it kind of you know like and you're like okay i'm not here you need to pay me if i'm gonna be it's exactly i'm like look at the time i think it was just like fifty dollars it's like now i would be like that's a thousand dollars like the (laughs) it's so much work i now understand how much work it is to do that i'm like oh i was like just like doming guys hoping they would go away you know what i mean i'm like oh that's expensive you can't have that you piece of shit <laughs> like how i always wear slippers now and i'm like no am i usually barefoot yes but i'll always be in slippers now because feet guys don't deserve toes okay you're not paying you're not slaying them um my but, sister-in-law uh, was like you need to stop taking so many photos where you just don't have shoes on that is why there are so many like that's why you're you're like she basically was like something that that you and i have done to like friends and relatives which is like you're giving it away for free it's like no disrespect to the fetish but you're giving it away for free sarah and it's like not on purpose necessarily i don't think about it i love love the foot people i like to check wiki feet to see how my rating's doing of course but like my sister for free bro and i was like oh you're right no, here's the deal. The part of your brain that controls your sexuality and sexual impulses and the part of your brain that controls the feet are right next to each other. What is happening if you are a foot fetish person is that you are having a syntax error. Those two areas, the wires have crossed and the sensation is, it feels good. And you know what? Good for you. But uh, it's- Or you're it's a Pisces. It could be anything. <laughs> no, it is, it's, a syn- it's, it's syntax error. It's totally normal though. Like those things happen all the time. I don't understand where the breast fetishes came from though that's just like me talking in general yeah the breast fetish just i'm just they're always like annoying and i get that we both appeal to them but they're always like the just the most disappointing people who just like sometimes they're not sometimes they're not here look do i know what my target demographic is if a guy's talking to me do i know that the likelihood of them loving giant real breast is over 90 percent yeah oh yeah me too for sure for sure like i know the odds i've been at i've been in his body for a minute now i know the odds i'm like this guy is clearly not talking even if he's saying nice stuff to me he is the conversation did not start because oh, no. of my brain this conversation started because of these boobs I, maybe that's why i like the foot people so much because i'm just like so much of like the the breast people have been like bothering me since i was very underage but now i'm like uh the foot people i'm like you know my my feet are like somewhat better than mid but they're not great and i just love that for me uh, the foot people give me peace <laughs> well, also if you think about it like breast fetishes feel really bold and they can bring it up at any time because it's a cultural norm of yes. heteronormative male sexuality so like there there's a certain entitlement to it but foot fetishes are usually on the on the dl about it they're just like pretty sly about it they're not like bringing it up to you in an elevator or anything or saying something true exactly they're not like on the street bothering me that's why i think in the past i've described them as like my favorite fetishes because they tend to be polite and um and that goes along with all of it like any time that that i get emails from dudes who are like can i get feet pics i typically don't respond but they're usually fairly polite emails as opposed or dms or whatever 
Um, and by the way, if you're listening and you've never had the experience of being objectified in this way, congrats, I guess. But this is a, not just a me and Sabrina experience, I assure you. I know there's also lots of people listening who are like, yep, I know what that's like. Like you don't, you almost don't even have to, you like, yes, Sabrina and I have been very online for some time. But um, you can be even sort of mildly online or just walking down the street in a certain kind of body and there and attract the attentions of those who are uh, very into a certain part. We we act like there's just a certain kind of person that gets harassed in that way. And I think it's just like a thing that happens across the board because we live in a society that hates women. But you know what? Like there's a version of my personality that I had to put to rest that was a woman that was like that to men. Just like, what's up, buddy? Oh my God, let me see that ass. And I got to tell you, especially as I was doing decoupage, I got really bold and men were just like, I'm afraid of this. And I'm like, you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be Coach Derek, who obviously, obviously lives inside of me. Oh, Coach Cognata? Oh, Coach Cognata Co- Co- is Gia. Are you Coach Brina? I forget. You both no, coach this, this, I, I'm Derek. You know what I mean? Oh, you're it's Derek. Like okay. Uh, hey, it's Derek. <laughs> um, but like, you, like a guy that you don't want to talk to you in a certain way. And he's just like, oh, yeah, this is happening. I know you want it. <laughs> That's definitely a Derek. <laughs> so Dickabaj is one of sort of the many like ways in which you've done I think well I I would say it's probably the most like sort of obviously disruptive art that you've done in some ways but I also think that I mean producing is an art form and you produce comedy and you do the show family dinner with Jody Sweeten and friends and tell me tell us tell the people about uh about that show a bit if you will madam well, I had been working with Jody since the pandemic on her podcast, um, Never Thought I'd, and I started producing it at that time. And then um, she had started working with uh, a couple other comedy producers, and she was like, they have invited, they had invited her on to work on this concept, um, which is basically like a comedy game show storytelling show um that just like a food nightmare kind of but in a good way in a funny way that's the most horrible way to describe it basically we have people bring in food that are meals or food items from childhood and uh you know sometimes the show has a theme and it'll be like you know like i'm i'm fucking this up anyways the it's interesting and it's funny and I guess you can just come to LA to see it because we don't have anything streaming on it because you know what we are really performance artists we're like be in the here and the now you can't see it later because we're against social media no that's a lie um we just never nobody none of the producers ever stop and record it not even me I'm sitting there and I'm just like living in the moment and that's fun but it's also still taking shape at the same time like you've been doing it for a bit but you're still figuring i'm sure like as it goes it's a monthly show it's a monthly show so we've only done like four of them it just feels like we've done a ton because it's like over time and you know ever jody's schedule can be a little bit intense sometimes so it'll be like we'll skip a month like we're gonna end up skipping july uh so like you know you have some time to think about things but also it's like all of a sudden it's just there anyways when you have adhd and you're making stuff time is irrelevant there's a whole bunch of time where you feel like you're doing nothing and then there's like three days where you do it all and that's magic kids and it's super intensive magic 
especially like putting on a show and being part of that there's all the ramp up to it there's the experience and then there's like the denouement or like the i don't know whatever one would call afterwards the refractory period if you will uh just like ah the after party and then you have to like chill at least in my experience when i have a big event that i'm planning for i have to like chill afterwards like i have to celebrate afterwards and then like get back into the normal the whatever my normal is and i used to live in a way where i was like traveling constantly and like like just working constantly traveling constantly never wanted to have my i mean I've, i've lived in my apartment now for two years and that's the longest stretch i've ever lived in one place in my adult life is like two full years and um I think that now, uh, and and I think probably you can relate to this that the when when your life by design becomes less chaotic because we understand that chaos can be visited upon us, right? It's not saying like I'm not trying to tempt fate here. Wild shit do be happening, but um, as people who have like routines and who have responsibilities that we've chosen. Um, it's really important to have some downtime. That's something I've learned from you is that like um, it's, it's okay to just sort of sit and like stare into silence and just chill sometimes. Like you don't need to. Yesterday I was like, Sarah, you're going to chill and you're going to listen to an audiobook that has nothing to do with research for a writing project or anything else. And it's going to be Mary fucking Queen of Scots. And you're going to listen until you're bored. And then you do something else. And I did. And it was great. I think that it's so hard for people to understand what they enjoy. Most people are looking for to check out, I think. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you have to be really on if you're researching stuff. And it's like to passively listen to something or watch something and be engaged in it is like harder for most people these days. And I think that it is a viable, probably one of the most important ways to like be present, to test your presence. Um, because I, f- I fucking personally suck at it. I'm like doing four other things and like I'm trying to watch this thing. I'm trying to 100% be in the moment. But also there's like 50 other things to do. And I guess I'll wander into the kitchen and make a coffee. Did I hear what happened? Maybe. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> To, to listen to something actively and with purpose, I think, is a big deal. Well, this brings me to, and and we'll sort of, I think, as the, the last piece that I want to ask you about um, is actually what inspired this conversation, in a sense, because, of course, I want to have you on the podcast, but we were talking earlier, and you were like, I was talking about, like, uh, looking at the <laughs> WGA um protesting uh american horror story hamptons because i am in the wga listeners and uh we are on strike as i'm you may or may not know and they're uh filming a lot at a studio nearby and so we're doing uh picketing there now as the listeners i think know that i have a full-time job um working in the nonprofit digital marketing world and so that means that I can't go to a lot of these pickets but I was sort of looking at it and sharing it, and we were talking about American Horror Story and about Ryan Murphy and Sabrina was talking about how much she enjoyed Nip Tuck and it brought me to this idea of um for those for anybody in the whole wide world like entertainment is a marvelous thing but mm-hmm. I think sometimes especially for people who need to um 
escape or just feel something different in a positive way, like that does not involve self-harm or harming others, um, there can be a particular power to art, especially to like very sensitive people. Excuse me. We talk personally about neurodiversity a lot. Like, Guys, I just want you to know that when that, that little tip tap that you heard, that was her tapping on her breasts. And I just feel like it's important to understand <laughs> where the sounds come from and what's happening visually when you can't see them. You're welcome. Oh, that was me tapping on my titties. <laughs> just instinctively tapping on my titties, talking about art. Thank you, Sabrina. This is non-ASMR with Sabrina Kaknada. <laughs> Right. But I was thinking about how when people I, I when people say, oh, that's my guilty pleasure when it comes to watching TV or whatever. Uh, I, I'm like, no, it's just your pleasure. We deserve pleasure. We deserve joy. And we deserve to be able to escape into other worlds and like in and be fully uh, just like swimming in the beautiful, beautiful Ryan Murphy sauce. If it needs to be Ryan Murphy sauce, which brings me to Nip Tuck, a show I've never seen. OK, here's the deal. Do I like to pretend like I am a pretentious person that only watches and experiences specific kinds of high art? Absolutely. There's a part of my personality that's like, yes, I'm like that. But then there's a different part of my personality. It's the same part of the personality that likes to be like, whoa, I woke up on the side of a pool. Um, that's like, whoa, what we really want to consume is trash. And like Nip Tuck is fucking high art that is fucking trash, where it's just like nothing makes sense. None of the, there's so many plot holes. You just gotta be in it for the characterness of it. Um, and so much of Ryan Murphy trash is that. You know what I mean? It's like beautiful, disgusting trash where you're like, wow, I dedicate an hour to myself. It's cause it, and it is to myself every week um, to like look at this beautiful trash unfold. Um, it's like if the trash heap from Fraggle Rock was like, <laughs> slap silicone on this bitch. I'm going out in public and I'm gonna fuck. Like, that's what Nip Tuck is. It's like one season there you're killing a guy, the head of a drug cartel. And then the next season, your wife is running away with a little person. And like, maybe your, your best friend has HIV and an HIV baby or not. You know what I mean? Like, just. Oh, sure. Just a typical, just a typical program. Just life stuff. Real realistic. To me, that though, from where I'm coming from, the life that I've led. That seems uh, like very realistic. All oh, that I'm like, yeah, sure, that's something that could happen to me. Could I, if I had to kill a drug cartel kingpin um, and get him off this planet? I'm sure there's a version of me that can do that. Does this current version want to? No. Could I? Yes. I could do anything. I am resilient as fuck, guys. You have no idea. I'm not going to die first. I'll tell you that much. I know this much I know about staying alive. My brain body really wants to do it. Even when I'm like, let's not. It's like, no, we're running. We're fighting. I'm like, okay, okay. Wow, we're really, do we're really, we're really doing this. Um. Does Nip Tuck yeah. involve uh, plastic surgery? I know very little about the show. <laughs> it's, it's okay, it's it, I tell obviously things from the backwards way. I'm just sh throwing shit, but it's these two dudes who went to medical school school together um, and became plastic surgeons who run a plastic surgery practice in Miami. 
and uh, one oh, of them based in LA. Okay, it's a Miami okay, no, no, show. No. It starts in Miami, but like oh. anything, Ryan Murphy, they take an airplane and they move the whole show across the country, and then they're Beverly Hills plastic surgeons. You know uh, what I mean? Uh, That's what I was like. Here's the thing. Why is it so crazy? Like, you have to do boards in California, but they're supposed to be geniuses. Just take your fucking boards and pass them. Like, just do whatever it is, okay? Um, Ryan Murphy yeah. will always bring it home somehow to, like, L.A. You might end up in New York a la Glee, but eventually you're going to be in L.A. Like, the fact that Glee was supposed to be in Lima, Ohio, I was just like, no, no, no. All of this feels very LA. How painful is it for him that he has, he's probably not even there, for doing a show that's AHS Hamptons? No, why isn't it in LA? Just so, I mean, the, you've never seen in really anything but Glee, correct? I've seen Glee, and then I'm trying to think of other shit that he's done. I've seen like clips from AHS and like loved every single one, yet never watched a full episode. Oh, you really, sh- if you're going to watch, I any think of I'll it, love it. Season one of uh, American Horror Story is really, really good. Um, if you is like that the insane asylum one, which one no, is that? No, that's the Witches? one that's just like, it's like every Leah Michelle's in it. In the first one, no, it's like the sorority one. No, this is okay. this. The first season is the haunted house season, which is the best season. They're all different kinds of thematically haunted house, but it's like physically a haunted house that's on um, Wilton and like, like like past Wilshire or something. And um, the house is creepy looking. It's like on the, I think it's on the old golf course or something over there. And uh, anybody can go to it and take pictures. People certainly did when it was super duper popular. Um, but I do think that as a first season of something, it's pretty perfect. And, um, you know, it, it you can really guess what's going on. But also it's like, that's kind of, you know, Ryan Murphy loves a fucking moment to surprise you with something implausible but like most everything was plausible in ahs and i just love nip tuck because it's trash and because i made out with julian mcmahon the guy who was dr christian troy just want to drop that in there like this is like a version of me that's really young that was just like did like you have to understand there was a point in my life where i was just like a chubby nerd and i had no idea what my powers were and then there was a time where i knew and i was like anything can be accomplished if you fucking slap your tits on and oil them up let's go you and, and your sister did you taught me about titty oil you taught me about body oil in general um taught me so much i'm like let's move to body oil so here's the deal with that we grew up with men who were like porned out and the whole thing about porn is that people put body oil on everything everything is slick you know what i mean i'm like if i'm gonna argue with a guy and i know it ahead of time if i'm just like gonna break down their argument well ahead of time i'm coming with my tits out and them oiled up i'm like good luck trying to fucking focus on anything else other than this you stupid scumbag i am ready there's nothing you can do that can throw me off of my game i'm i've already started a winner the level of sicilian mexican chaos that emerges from <laughs> the cognata family stories is really beautiful always and forever and so like specifically grounded in the landscape of los angeles the san fernando valley southern california in general you're the only family i know that's gone to all the missions like (laughs) which isn't just southern california of course but like just such a true fucking californian like when i talk about people people will often ask whether i'm in la or new york 
a lot of times when people know I've lived in both, they'll go, which one do you like better? Which I think is just a common thing they ask. It's like when they find out I'm from New Jersey, they're like, which exit? Ha ha ha. Do you, were you in the mob? Uh, they, they never ask about that. And you shouldn't. Um, but I'm always like, I, I love New York, like uh, in one way. And I love LA in another way. And I was like, what I love the most about LA are the people born and raised there, which means a lot of different things. Cause it's an extremely fucking diverse place. But you and your sisters are, you know, inextricably interwoven with that for me because you you all uh, have such a deep grounding in like, you know what I mean? Like there's some people, they're born where they're born and they don't, it's not that much a part of their identity. And that's okay. We we self-identify as the city. You know what I mean? Like when you're like, what do you love? I'm like, I love this city. Here's the thing. It's impossible. In anywhere else in the world, I would have grown up to be, like, yes, a different person, but, like, even the most militant, nerd, like, not questioning authority version of me is still pretty weird. You know what I mean? And if you're a little bit sexy and of the right kind of weird in the city, you can accomplish anything. Like, everybody says LA's so vapid. I'm like, no, the people that come here are vapid because they decide to become a character they invented in their head on their way here, okay? That's why it doesn't work. You have to come here and be, like, a certain kind of really realistically a personality that is unlike anything else and you can accomplish anything and certainly there are a bunch of fucking posers and like the wrong kind of weirdos here but i think the people who do the best who are the true nature of this city like enjoy the fact that you can if you're even a little bit good looking if you're interesting and like have some interesting weird shit to say or know a bunch of weird people who are kind of vibrant looking you can do anything you can literally accomplish anything in the city i swear it if you've got charm if you've got charm and know how to use it like yeah you can go really really far i mean it's why i i always like i I could also see you and at least a couple of your you and gia i specifically could see also and or being from new york um but you like i I think if you had grown up there you would be like a a threat i i just i feel like i don't i don't see you being planted and thriving joyfully in even a really fucking cool small town like i think you are a city person it's not that i don't want or envision you like having a home in one if you want to one day but i just think that i'll die here i'll die here there's no question well gia believes you're both gonna die in burbank i think is that correct gia's gonna die in burbank yeah we were she was born in burbank she'll die in burbank but when we were kids uh, we made a death pact that we would die together at the same time. Just normal childhood trauma shit. Sure, and, sure, sure. Yep. Um, and so if we're in Burbank together at the same time, the universe could swallow us. We could die. It is a, it is a thing whenever you both are in Burbank at the same time. It is brought up. It's brought up and it's of concern. Um, it is and you just never i mean i love burbank very much it's it's not the burbank is look we're not saying burbank is evil or murderous it's just this is what fate is look if i wanted to cut gia out of my life forever i'd buy a house in burbank i would fall in love with the man in burbank and i'd be like i can't see you 
I'll have to come to you. You can never come to my house. It will be too what much. About, okay, oh, this is such a specific question. What about Toluca Lake? Because Toluca Lake, technically part of the city of Los Angeles, not Burbank. Would Toluca you die together? It's a safe zone. It's a, it's safe, a safe zone. zone. It's a safe zone. Um, we went to we went to a Warner Lot. It's a safe Lake. zone, right? I'm like, look, we went to a Catholic school in Toluca Lake. Like mm-hmm. Priscilla's Coffee is the first coffee house I ever went to. That's technically oh, in Toluca Lake, that. but it feels like it's in Burbank. You know what I mean? I'm but like, it's Toluca Lake. It's Toluca. So like, enjoy your Toluca. Nobody, yeah. nobody outside of LA understands what the fuck is going on right now. That's all right. This part is not for them. It's just for us and anyone who's lived in LA at any point. But more specifically, for people who respect the beauty of Burbank. What about Smokehouse? You could go there because that's still Toluca Lake. That's like on the Toluca. Lake. Like I don't know where it starts. I what I what I'm realizing is I need to know geographically specifically if the Warner Brothers lot is counts as city of Burbank. I think that's city of Burbank. I think so too. I think they make money. I think everything across Pass, which turns into Barham, I think all that stuff is Burbank on that side. I think somebody's gonna write into you and be like, "This bitch doesn't know what she's talking about." In LA, listen, you fuck nut. I just feel like Sweet Salt is safe because that is Toluca Lake. Uh, Priscilla's is safe. So, like, I believe Smokehouse to be safe. The Toluca Lake Country Club, I believe, also is safe. It is. Toluca Lake. I'm just thinking of like where, you know, what play- and and also, hey man, when we get into like Studio City, safe. That's not Burbank. No, it's safe. totally safe. Just just Burbank. It's like look, Burbank um, specifically. St. Joseph's Hospital is where Gia's was born on fucking Buena Vista and Alameda, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's hella Burbank. I went to high school on that lot, okay? So like, but across the way just a little bit, like just down the street is Toluca Lake. It's confusing. You know what I mean? But there's like a little triangle that is kind of Toluca Lake and like if on the on the real serious shit, you you should want to live in Toluca Lake and not Burbank cuz Burbank so doesn't nice. have good housing rights for people. Like Burbank's really kind of conservative and terrible and it's like what we as people envision suburbia to look like thanks to Tim Burton and Spielberg because a lot of that shit was like set there yeah it looks like Magnolia Park which is my favorite neighborhood in Burbank it's so beautiful so yeah visually yeah you know what I mean like that's why I think a lot of us are attached to Burbank I'm like oh we we understand we see it I want to live in Bob Hope's old mansion in Toluca Lake specifically Bob Hope, Bob Hope, and uh, Bean Crosby bought the altar at the Catholic church that I went to Catholic school at. Saint Charles Borromeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and obsessed like with Saint Charles Borromeo Church. His, his what? I think his wife used to go to fucking like to mass all of the time after he died. Like all the all those guys. Like I want to say maybe one of my siblings was the altar server at his mass kind of deal you know what i mean <gasps> if you were a what a blessing person and in in the city like a valley person and you were catholic you definitely were getting a cognata mass you know what i mean <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't did, were you, did you ever canter any of the funerals no just just the bigger masses you know what i mean that's what sabrina's like, like please i'm not doing funerals i am a i'm mass only thank you oh very my god much. i'm such a little sponge imagine putting a fucking 13 year old girl out there to sing at a fucking dead person's funeral and watch her have a meltdown just like i'm so sorry 
I know it's your dad, but I feel really bad right now. If we're going to, I'm going to be in trouble for this and just stop. <laughs> I would pop up in the corner. For some reason, I was there also 13. Not sure why I'd be there. And I would just pop up and be like, I see his ghost. And people would be like, you do? And I'd be like, not at all. But I would like to. <laughs> They'd be like, what like a fucking weirdo. Is a Scorpio. And she's like, what this story needs is a ghost. <laughs> I really am like very ghost forward and pretty much everything I talk about and like I was recently visiting the abode of a gentleman caller and like my number one query was like are there ghosts in this abode <laughs> and and everybody was like no and I was like ah oh. and it was true I think because like I, I didn't feel any ghost vibes and the only time I've ever that I can ever really remember feeling ghost vibes um was when I walked into a place it was not actually bringing it back to Jody Sweden it wasn't the time that I did like a talk about mental health and addiction stuff with Jody which is when I met Jody years ago in Rhode Island this was like in Virginia it was in Roanoke Virginia I want to say up in the mountains and there's this real old like 150 year old maybe older kind of like beautiful lodge it's sort of giving me the shining sort of situation beautiful and I walk in there that's where I'm being put up to do the mental health talk and I walk in and there's no other guests but me except for like one or two people in the lobby but it felt I've it was distinctly felt like Grand Central Station or like Union Station in LA at rush hour it was like the most interesting specific feeling I've ever had I walked in and I was like there's there was a lot of energy going on like I was like wait where are all the people that I'm like sensing I'm not I, I don't I, I don't I don't think I'm really like a psychic Scorpio person although I would like to be in theory it sounds kind of burdensome but that was the one time I was like okay I feel a bunch of people and then I went into my room and I walked in and I was like oh there's a few people here too and I was just kind of like um hi like I'm just here to rest it's nothing and I sort of got I was like oh they're not really that concerned with me they're doing other stuff it's not weird I wasn't like hi I wasn't drunk I wasn't anything I wasn't in like a weird altered state and that's the one time that I was like yo ghosts we used to go and stay on the Queen Mary when we were kids for the 4th of July (laughs) okay here guys Yes. Okay. So, so Sarah, as a child and as an adult, and as an adult, I had to get really drunk because I was afraid. But I was very afraid as a child. I remember just staying up all night and feeling like I am just not sleeping in this creepy ship. Did I know that you stayed on the Queen Mary? Did I I forget? Like I don't know me. I feel like we, we uh, here's the thing, I can't confirm it, but I feel like we would have. But yeah, we definitely have stayed on the Queen Mary. But you can't, that's the whole point of the Queen Mary is to stay there. This is huge for me. This is a very big moment that has been captured on audio. And the, the audience doesn't know. Think about it this way. I haven't had sex on the Queen Mary. And I think about that more often than I should. Okay? I'm like, dude, you could, you could have at some point had sex on the Queen Mary. I know people who have had sex on the Queen Mary. More people should have had. How many people do you think have had sex on the Queen Mary, Sarah? Probably a lot. And there's a person who lives inside me, one of the characters who comes out sometimes. <laughs> is a dead woman a girl her name is ghost girl (laughs) and she lives on the queen mary and she comes out kind of a lot she comes out more than french baby does honestly and she 
She was created when Gia did my makeup in like 2018 and we looked at my face, maybe it was 2017, <laughs> and realized that I was the most ghostly looking person because my face, I, my face, I guess my pores just sort of suck in makeup. So you can put a lot of tanner on me, but by the end of the day, or like not tanner, bronzer on me, it has to be, you have to like dye my skin because at the end of the day, my face has eaten it and I'm a ghost girl. And I was really ghostly and that's how ghost girl was born. But then now she's got a whole personality. She lives on a ship. She haunts it. And she loves the band. Wait, not just any ship. The Queen Specifically Mary. the <laughs> Queen Mary, which is why Sarah was like, you stay on the Queen Mary. I'm like, yes, I have stayed with Ghost Girl. Oh, my God. Queen Mary, and you haven't. And she lives inside of you. God, this is such a weird thing to say out loud. <laughs> Ghost Girl thinks that everybody who's not from California is from Ohio. That's something I learned recently. Because, you know, a lot of times it's it's just improv when the characters emerge. But Ghost Girl, just I sort of like channel her. And she... Also, she loves Sublime because the Queen Mary is a ship, by the way, if you didn't notice that. Uh, it's a tourist attraction. It is historic in nature, and it's docked in Long Beach. And Sublime, we're from Long Beach. And she actually has a lot of jam sessions with uh, Bradley R.I.P. from Sublime. And Lou Dog she, from R.I.P. She loves Bradley. She loves Bradley. She thinks Bradley's the best musician ever and um, but that's somehow fine. her ghost cannot find his ghost and that is yeah you know they're romeo and juliet in that way it's really beautiful i mean i don't know if she like if, if ghost ludog is ever there like she, she the thing about bradley is she has a really limited knowledge of his catalog possibly because i do too but she is <laughs> but she just loves him she also loves anything from long beach anyone from long beach california in general she's sort of the id part of me that was full filled with just pure love for california and is a little dead girl and yeah like you anyway, do yeah anyway sabrina has stayed in ghost girl's home this is amazing this is a really like i really it'll be that... interesting to see if you cut this part or not i'm not i refuse to thing and you're like 15 minutes on the little character that I'm lives like, inside wow. of sarah that she's like i'm never telling people about the french baby or ghost girl and both you're like well now that we're at the queen maybe i have maybe the queen mary <laughs> i maybe have to tell you about uh ghost girl the child girl who is really like a 40 year old woman but a girl yeah, we, yeah we're like sometimes she's 12 and sometimes she's 28 sometimes she's definitely 42 and almost 43 like someone i know like <laughs> wow i mean we've gone on a journey that's been very special i've loved it the third episode of social anxiety variety hour the relaunch of what was formerly uh well this isn't normal social anxiety variety hour uh in its third episode is really finding its sea legs thanks to you <laughs> the ocean submarine yes oh i'm so glad we're not in a submarine i'm very glad that you know what sabrina i'm gonna commit to you that i never want to go in a submarine i i love boats and i barely want to go on a boat anymore i'm like let the sea people do their sea thing the creatures yeah. are in charge now yeah and i respect that like i listen i've done a lot of work around like learning about boundaries and things and I, and what i can say is that the sea creatures and the ocean in general has set some very specific boundaries with us lately and that is fine i respect it like i if as long as i'm on the queen mary and i'm a ghost i'm fine 
Well, here's the thing. The Queen Mary is docked. It's never going back out to sea. It's just yeah. going to hang out in Long Beach like it's supposed to. It's not going to haunt or harass. It's going to haunt or harass the people that visit it in Long Beach. The Long Beach. Yeah. Sure. B-I-H. Oh. <laughs> you know what? I bet you didn't see Ghost Girl when you stayed there because she doesn't harass people from California. She harasses quote the people from ohio end quote which is everyone who's not from california who comes to the queen mary you can be a tourist from bumfuck northern hee-haw maga country california and she won't bother you like you can be from anywhere in california you can be some rich motherfucker from san diego she's not gonna bother you but if 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 she if you're a person from ohio it's like how the amish call all non-amish people the english that's her attitude to people not from california <laughs> And she died on the ship, but not in Long Beach. So that's why she thinks yeah. Long Beach is special. Yeah, she died, I think, on that ship. At one point during a hallucinatory, <laughs> like maybe 4 a.m. rant, I decided that she died on a different ship and then haunted the luggage. And then the luggage got reused and put on the Queen Mary. And that's how she got there. But I really, I can't know for sure. Sabrina Cognata, tell us more about where where your many fans can find you and your art maybe some dicks maybe not you know you you can find me on really anything using the name at sabrina c-s-e-e yeah not s-e-a like, which is the ocean which we have respect no 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 yeah we don't fuck with that over here but it's you're like on sabrina social yeah s-e-e blue sky social instagram twitter what is patreon patreon.com slash sabrina s-e-e yes Ugh. it is that. i She's, think she knows <laughs> wait i'm looking it, it up right now. i'm looking it up right now to double check because grandma is here and grandma is double checking uh, my while friend, you're doing that I'll, yes oh i was just gonna say my friends were like um do you want to be our kids like um grandparent because their grandparents don't live near here and i was like yes so i just like decided that i would be someone's grandparent. You know yeah what? here's Sabrina, the you're S-E-E you're reliving some lady in the 40s situation where you have a kid at like 17 and then you're a grandma at like 40 i mean i guess you could be from like just now, some horrible but, haunting place where they don't believe in birth control um but yeah but you, also you know. i do sort of have i feel like my aesthetic with this like shorter haircut it works well with sort of 40s stuff like a you know a big titty a cinched waist maybe it's my 50s friend, Look, what what I'm saying is like, ooh, e, you're not really giving grandma vibes. I don't know. You're trying to say that you are, but you're not. Um, <laughs> also, I feel the same way about like you being a grandma as about me being a mom. Like, oh, I can't do that. That's <laughs> I'm not old enough to make that mistake. Woo. <laughs> oh yeah, I don't feel. I'm like I'm like. If I got knocked up, I'd be like, I can't raise this baby. I'm a girl of 42.75. I've not grown up yet. This is wild. Which reminds me, I need to I empty my dishwasher. Go do it, dude. If I, we should if put I was, into this. If I were, like, ready for a baby, I would be more on top of, like, emptying my own dishwasher. If and I was that- ready for a baby, I would have married a man made of money. That's what it takes to raise a baby most of money the time. <laughs> Yeah, I just like ATM. Now. I'm just like, this is my husband, ATM. He speaks none, only the words of <laughs> my favorite sound in the, the world. Oh, that's beautiful. Well, Sabrina, this has been glorious. I hope you have a beautiful day. 
I, I shall. Thank you, my lady. 